Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to be here with you. And if I haven't met you, my name is uh, Danny. And um, we're, we're talking about this idea of God in the ordinary, which works really well because we've just celebrated Christmas. And one of the big ideas of Christmas is that Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. And so this is really a fitting series as we move on into, into our new year. And uh, we're continuing our theme of God in the ordinary. And today's topic, my topic that was given to me, not by choice, it was just like a lottery. I don't know. I ended up with God in my opinions, in my arguments, in my fights and disagreements. Well, before I get going, I just want to say welcome to Phil and Claire and to Roman and Adelaide. They've been away for a while, and if you want to know what it's like to wrestle with opinions and arguments, fights and disagreements, travel in a small box, attach some wheels, install some beds, and do life together for a year around Australia. So you maybe should be actually speaking today, not me. Well, I think there are two types of days. There are two types of days, I believe. On my best day, I can share my thoughts clearly, I can manage how I feel through a difficult conversation, and I can see other people's point of view. That's on a good day, on my best day. What about on my worst day? I don't care what other people think. I want to be right, and I spiral into passive aggression. Anyone passive aggressive here in the room? Okay, you can send me an email later. On my best day, I can see the big picture, my empathy is high, and I listen really well. On my worst day, I'm too passionate. I say the wrong thing at the wrong time, and I really don't make any sense. How about you? Let me ask you that question. What are you like on your best day? And what happens inside you on your worst day? Could you be brave with me now? I, I just want to ask you this question. I want you to turn to the person next to you, and I, wanted to, I want you to describe one word that describes you on your best day. And if you're online, put that in the chat. All right, go for it. One word that describes you on your best day. Turn to the person next to you. Lately, it feels like my good days are being tested with my 12 going on 16-year-old <laughs> daughter who would tell you that I'm always wrong and she hates being the eldest in the family because, we, because it comes with more responsibility. Every day, every day I get tested. And just to be sure I wouldn't forget what I was talking about today, God had my attention this week. I had to have a really challenging conversation with another person during the week. I asked uh, another person to actually change um, a habit that they were doing that affected others in our residential college that I'm a part of. And uh, that really hasn't resolved just yet. 
So it's still lingering. And uh, what made it worse is that there was an online conversation, a message conversation. And um, this week also I've had to process some different opinions uh, about some really interesting, um, important things for us. And actually those opinions are different to mine. But I'm not alone in this, am I? Because we're all doing this all the time. And in fact, if we just spend a bit of a few minutes just talking about how we're formed, I think that really informs us about why this happens. We're all being formed and shaped by our families, our carers. From the earliest moments in our lives, we are part of a world that molds us. Experiences, culture, education, opportunities, values and priorities. And all of these things are intertwined with your personality, your character, your heart, your identity. Then there's your physical qualities that make you, you. The shape of your eyes, the color of your skin, your size, the, the hair that you have, your gender. But all of these wonderful characteristics are deeply tarnished by one thing that affects us all, that we all face, and that's sin. Is that my mic doing that? I'll just grab this one. That's right, I'll just grab the handheld. <clears throat> and it turns out that the ordinary world of family, friends, peers, colleagues, partners, strangers is actually hard work. And it's complicated work. It's inevitable that one day someone is going to do something that you don't like or appreciate. And this is our ordinary life. Sometimes their intent is unhealthy, we get that. Other times it's simply because they are so different than you are. So on a good day, we value each other's uniqueness. Toilet paper, peanut butter, you name it. We appreciate each other's worldview and we can actually work through our different points of view. But on a bad day, we will block you from a conversation if you have an opinion that's different to ours. Not only will we not listen to what you have to say, we will ignore you altogether. And there's this phrase uh, around, a cultural phrase called um, cancel culture. And it kind of rings true for a lot of celebrities and organizations, but I think it filters through to individuals as well. So this is my question. In what way is God present in your life, in your situation, at the very moment when conflict arises? I used to ride a motorcycle, and one day I had a meeting in Hobart, and it was a beautiful day, so I decided not to drive. I decided to, to take my bike down to, to Hobart. And on the way back, there's always an important stop to make, and that is Brighton BP service station. And that's before the, the bypass into Hobart. There's always a wonderful stop there, full of any sugar thing that you want, you can go there to Brighton BP. Not only just to fill up, but just to look through the aisles. And so here I am pulling into Brighton BP, and there is a big tanker, a fuel tanker, filling some of the, like, I suppose, underground tanks of fuel. And around the tank, there were these cones, orange cones, for safety purposes. 
So I filled my bike up, I went to pay, I got geared up again, and I took off because I noticed that at the front of the truck, between a cone and the front of the truck, there was just enough space for me to squeeze through. Well, I took off, and guess what happened? I didn't notice that the truck driver was looking at me, and he knew what I was about to do. As I took off, he jumped in front of my motorcycle. As I was going, he grabbed both handlebars and started yelling at me, you can't do that. You're not going to go through there. And he kept yelling it over and over. I was shocked. I was so shocked. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to respond. I was, I, I've noticed growing up in Spain, being a very physical culture, as a kid I didn't really enjoy it much. And that, I think, has evolved into my adulthood. And I don't respond well when people are grabbing me or, or, they're, or they're grabbing my things. And um, this is really tricky in some uh, Asian contexts, for example, or African contexts. If you go and travel, they're very physical. And I, I, I just don't know how to respond to that. And here is this man yelling at me. And I thought, uh, you know, split-second reaction, what should I do? This was very dangerous. I could have hurt him. I could have run over him by accident. And um, I was thinking through, well, what, what are my options here? And I thought, I'm the one wearing a helmet. Maybe a headbutt would work. <laughs> and I'm also wearing gloves, and I'm wearing a really thick jacket. So actually, I think he's probably going to lose if, if this gets physical. But then um, time seemed to slow down. I don't know if, you, if you've ever experienced that, where actually things kind of just take a bit of a pause, and sort of time does a weird thing as your mind now realizes something that you didn't necessarily know was there before. He kept repeating the same line over and over. And it reminded me of, it reminds me now, not then, of Gandalf. You know, in Lord of the Rings, you shall not pass. And he kept saying that over and over. I was agitated and I needed him to back off. And when time slowed down, just at that fraction of a second, I, I thought of, um, I, well, I saw something that I didn't see before and I looked him in the eyes. And actually I saw something in his eyes that I hadn't seen before. And this was an angry man. He was not only angry, but he was actually hurt. He wasn't angry at me. He was just angry at life. And in no particular, and this particular day, he just lashed out at me. So I backed off. I didn't need to add to his misery. I said to him, I yelled, because of all the noise that was going on, are you having a bad day? And he said, what? And I pulled down my, my helmet so he could at least hear me better. And I said, are you having a bad day? And he backed off. And he said, and he didn't know how to respond. And actually, he let go of, of, of my bike and he just stood there. And I thought, this is my chance. I'm, I'm leaving here. And just for a split second, I thought, I might just squeeze through anyway. <laughs> but I didn't. I went the long way around. Well, I didn't realize that there were some other motorcycles there. And it's a long ride, so I stopped at Campbelltown, almost Launceston, but not quite, just to stretch my legs, and they happened to pull in after me. And we were in the cafe, and they came up to me, and we said, we saw what happened. And we're just really interested to know, what did you tell him? And I said, I told him, are you having a bad day? And they burst out laughing, thinking it was the funniest things. But actually, on my ride back, I didn't know how to process this. 
For two hours, I was just sitting there rehearsing the story over and over again. And sometimes anger would, would well up. And it's like, I should have done this. I should have smacked him. I should have run over him. I mean, surely the security cameras would have caught the whole incident and they would have proved me innocent. Um, I was always, I'm, I'm right, I could have squeezed through there. Um, I was safe. I was traveling slow. All these things are going over and over in my head. And I suppose what I'm trying to get at is that there is this moment in time where we have a choice. And I'll come back to that story later. Friends, my encouragement this morning is that um, in a world where tensions escalate way too quickly, where ill-informed opinions fly in every direction, where harmful comments are made in, in the thousands every single day, where if I don't agree with you, I can publicly shame you and cancel you out. In a world where even our politicians, our world leaders, our national leaders, have lost the art of solid and constructive arguments, we need a different story. Something has to change here because the way we're doing it isn't really working. And so Jesus provides for us an opportunity to think about a different kind of day. It involves seeing people. Jesus was the master seer, and he invited his followers to do the same. And when others saw in one instance where others saw a, an adulterous woman who was about to be stoned for her sin, Jesus stopped that, and he saw something that others couldn't see. He saw the chance of forgiveness. He saw the chance of second opportunities, second chances. There's another instance where Jesus was walking through a town and there was this tax collector who wanted to see him, but he couldn't see him. And he was a guy that was despised. He was maybe a bit of a cheat. And actually, he wasn't very well liked. Well, Jesus went, he saw him and he went to his place and he saw an opportunity for hospitality and even an opportunity for salvation for that household. Even on Jesus' worst day, hanging on the cross, he had the capacity and, the, and to see the heart of one of the criminals that was hanging next to him and offered him mercy. We need followers of Jesus who will see people. We need to create a seeing culture here at Door of Hope. We don't need to create a cancelling culture. It sounds abstract, I realise, the idea of seeing people, what does that mean? But actually seeing the way that Jesus saw is an act of love. And actually, love comes from the heart. It's an activity of the heart. And it's your heart that determines how you will respond to the opinions and arguments, fights and disagreements. This is the place that determines your posture toward others. It's your heart. It's not about whether you know the right thing or not. It's not about proving anything. There's something deeper going on. Do you need to be right? Do you need to have the last say? What type of person are you when you are angry? These are hard issues. And in the book of James, he addresses this very issue of the heart by describing two types of wisdom, or, if you like, two types of days. And actually, in this little book of James in the New Testament, he's just finished talking about the power of the tongue. Actually, how words can be very harmful and how you need to control your tongue. And then he moves into this deeper issue 
because it's not just the tongue actually that does the harm, there's actually something going on behind the scenes and that is in your heart. So we'll have the scripture on the screen from James chapter three. We read these words. Is anyone among you wise and understanding? That person should show it by living a good life. A wise person isn't proud when they do good deeds, but suppose your hearts are jealous and bitter. Suppose you are concerned only about getting ahead. Then don't brag about it and don't say, to the, don't say no to the truth. Wisdom like this doesn't come down from heaven. It belongs to the earth. It doesn't come from the Holy Spirit. It comes from the devil. Are you jealous? Are you concerned only about getting ahead? Then your life will be a mess. You will be doing all kinds of evil things. He goes on to say, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is pure. That's the most important thing about it. And that's not all. It also loves peace. It thinks about others. It obeys. It is full of mercy and good fruit. It is fair. It doesn't pretend to be what it is not. Those who make peace plant it like a seed that will harvest a crop of right living. These words of James are filled with Jesus' teaching. At one point, his disciples were having a bit of, a, bit of an argument about who was going to be the greatest. And Jesus comes along and he says, actually, the person that wants to be first is going to end up being last. And the person that's last will actually be made first. At another point, Jesus taught that in order to be great, the best thing the necessary thing that you ought to do is to become a servant, a servant of everybody else. That is the greatest person. So James is connecting the dots for us. Your heart matters. And if you want to be better at arguments and disagreements, the starting point is actually you. Will you allow God to work in you, in your heart? What you say matters because what you in the heat of the moment comes from a deep place. What comes in that, in that moment of tension actually comes from a deep place. And what you say matters because what you say is a reflection of what's inside. He is essentially saying that you have two choices. You can live out two types of days. A day where you come first and you win at all costs or a day where you slow down, pay attention to the other person and seek peace. That day, old mate truck driver in front of my bike was yelling at me, um, could have gone in all sorts of directions. I can only imagine. But actually, I was in a good space. Um, I, I had a good day, I had a good meeting, I, I felt encouraged, I was well rested, um, I had enough sleep uh, in my heart. I was in a good place, so therefore the response that came out was actually not a negative response at the very least. Sure, it was a yelling match, but at least I didn't headbutt him with my helmet. <laughs> what would have happened if I was really tired, or if I was stressed, or if, if, I hadn't, if I hadn't spent time with Jesus, 
or if I was angry about some other things. I don't know what could have happened. So in practical terms, I've realized that there have been many times I have formed opinions about other people around me and, dis- and I've disagreed with them, only to realize that my picture of that person was actually incomplete. And Bev actually touched on this a little bit earlier. My heart has been proud, it's been judgmental, it's been self-righteous. And seeing that person, in other words, loving them, has meant spending time with them, getting to know their story and try to see the world from their perspective. Are you up for it? Do you want to get better at dealing with opinions and arguments and fights and disagreements? Will you trust God's spirit to work in you, to work on your heart? These things won't necessarily always change. There's always, I mean, we just did the simple fun exercise and you notice already how different we all are from each other just with answering two types of possibilities. Life is complex and these situations aren't necessarily going to change or they're not necessarily going to go away. And in some instances, our um, relationships with others are complex. The situations are difficult. But actually one thing can change and that's you. Will you trust God to do that work in you so that you can um, navigate through these things? Let me pray. Dear Jesus, I want to thank you for the opportunity to wrestle with some difficult things. And Lord, we just ask for you um, to be able to um, instill in us, cultivate in us, a soft heart, a heart that will allow us to see other people the way that you see them. Lord Jesus, we want to thank you for your example as we read of your interactions with people that really didn't belong to the community that other people had set up, but you saw them for who they were and you were able to see their hearts and to see them and to change them and to bring them into your community. And so, Lord, we ask that we would do the same as your followers, Jesus. We want to have soft hearts. And right now, I want to pray for any particular person here this morning who's actually navigating a really tricky situation, one that involves a fight or a disagreement or or a very strong opinion that has led to some sort of breakdown. Lord, I ask that we would be able to confidently speak the name of Jesus into that situation. Lord, I pray for a miracle. I pray for an an outcome today that would be tangible, that people would see that actually there is a way forward. There is a way of not only living, uh, moving away from a bad day to actually spending time with you and having a good day where we reflect your heart. And so, Lord, I pray for breakthrough, whether it's a work situation, whether, whether it's a family matter, whether it's a, a, a household issue or some peers, Lord, I pray for a miracle. I pray for your peace to reign and that people would know and see that Jesus lives in us and that in all of this, we would be able to glorify you. So Lord, may you reign supreme in our lives, we pray in Jesus' name.